1: Welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Deitch. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. One guest this week, but an excellent one, is the Athletics' Tim Kawakami. He is a columnist for our publication. He's based in the Bay Area. So if you've read Tim over the years, you know he specializes in the Niners, the Warriors, and the Giants, and the A's, and all the teams that are there. He's also the host of the TK Show podcast which is more than just a podcast it's a feed of podcasts i'll ask him about that which is now on uh the fine odyssey uh network along with myself and with that i welcome tim kawakami to the sports media podcast tim how are you richard good morning how you doing good tim always good to talk to a fellow person who uh has a lot of years in the sports media (laughs) writing game um so i will ask you about the the podcast just to give that um some pub but I just had Nate Taylor on in our last episode and the idea was to pair him up with you in terms of um, for him what it's like to cover the Kansas City Chiefs and for you what it's like to cover the Niners so here's where I want to start you know the my sense is you probably have a bigger uh, press corps than Nate does in San Francisco so because of that how would you define both the opportunities and the challenges of covering the San Francisco 49ers
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a big team, you know, with a huge audience. You see it on the TV ratings. You see it just in our numbers. (laughs) You put up an interesting Fortnite story. It goes crazy. This has been when they've been bad or when they've been mediocre or when they've been good. It's just pretty consistent. Maybe it spikes sometimes when they're bad. Uh, Haven't been bad for a while, but uh, there is this big, big, you know, driven by Joe Montana, Ronnie Lott, Jerry Rice, that the dynastic years when so many people – kind of came, age of came of age as fans, and they're still sticking with the 49ers. Um, there's just this overwhelming, encompassing interest in this team. Mostly like kind of the inner dynamics, kind of how they picked their players, where they screwed up. The quarterback situation is always – the 49er quarterback, as we always say, you can't go wrong writing about the 49ers quarterback. You just can't. Uh, obviously, the whole stuff to get to Brock Purdy through Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, da-da-da-da-da and they've assembled these really big personalities. So that just adds to it. Uh, You have Kyle Shanahan, who is, you know, the guy, the guy to talk to about everything. Um, He's great when he talks. Sometimes he doesn't want to talk that much. It becomes, you know, the method is to try to figure out how you can talk to him more. I I can do that sometimes. Sometimes I don't want to overplay it. Uh, But then you have obviously the, you know, Trent Williams, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Fred Warner, Nick Bozer, who I just wrote about, uh, you have, you know, Debo Sam, you have these really big, compelling characters that they put in this locker room. Sometimes you look around and you go, this is like an all-star team. Uh, and most of them are very willing to talk. Not all the time. You kind of It's very kind of measured. Like you are getting George Kittle this day and you're going to get him. And, and maybe you can hang around and talk to him for a little bit longer. Maybe there's five other people lining up. There's been a line, you know, for Fred Warner, I've been in this line because he's good with anecdotes, details after he gives his big thing at his locker. But then you have a bunch of people waiting around to talk to him. And he's generally patient enough to talk to everybody, especially if you've got a relationship with them. Uh, but it can get like in that line. I will say the number one most important thing with the 49ers, as it would be with any team, any certainly any big team, is you got to have relationships with these guys like to ask for the extra time, to ask for the extra color. Uh, And it's important you show up. It's important that you try to ask interesting questions that they notice because they do notice most of the time and then try to talk to them like human beings afterwards. Because then you get, you know, Trent Williams maybe for two minutes after his session or on a day he's not doing a session. And I I find actually kind of, you know, you always try to use things and, and, work with things that you're already doing. My podcast helps me with that sometimes because they know it exists kind of out there. They don't know, they're not listening to the TK show podcast or the four nights plus minus that I do with Matt Barrows on the same feed, like constantly, but they know it's out there. So if I ask them to be on or there's a question differently that's been brought up, then you have a different relationship with them maybe. Sometimes maybe they like it, sometimes maybe they don't, but it's different. Uh, it's broader. It maybe, you know, fits a different kind of slot than they're just used to from anyone else. So uh, I, definitely like in a time like this, <laughs> certainly the fact that Nick Boza knows me a little bit, knows I've been writing about him, knows I'm thinking, you know, of trying to think about a very specific angle, which I wrote about his Saturday speeches, which are very important to this team. They refer to them constantly. Uh, and He's kind of a private reserve guy. It's interesting that he does these speeches and they talk about them so much. Well, then we, you know, I can get him for six minutes after his big podium thing to talk about this, and he's pretty good. Uh, similar, you know, There's, uh, I talked to him about, uh, you know, how much he hates artificial turf last year, again, to the side, because he knew I'd been talking about it. He knew I had a specific take on it, and he was, I won't say happy, but he was willing to talk about it for, you know, seven, eight minutes and said some really interesting stuff. It's, it's, It's big team, Tons of media, you know, 30 media people in that room, camera crews from who knows where, when it's open, hasn't been open last few last week or so, because it's just too much for them. But when you're in there, make sure they know who you are. Make sure you're not dumb, asking stupid questions, but also asking questions that maybe make them think a little bit. Then you get an little extra. Now, sometimes it doesn't always work. Debo Samuel will not give me the time of day. Maybe that's my fault. I don't know. Uh, he's a little more tricky of personality. That's okay. Everyone has their own quirks. Uh, but then you try. You still try, and you get the extra stuff if you work it that hard. That's just my general thing. And with a team like the 49ers, you really do have to work it. But the you know the best stories come from that. I'm not the only one who's doing it. Um, but it's the best kind of stories. I just think it's a richer scene when you have pre-established relationships and you know the team well enough to be very specific in the stuff you're asking.
1: So, you know, I think anybody who listens to this podcast knows that it's really been a horrific year in terms of media layoffs um, everywhere from major places like the Washington Post and Sports Illustrated to smaller publications. At this point, Tim, if you could um, give a sense for my listeners, um, how many sort of newspapers are covering the Niners – Roughly like how many television stations are there, like digital or web based centric publications? You mentioned about 30. That's a pretty sizable daily contingent. That's now, yeah,
0: that's now yeah. for an NFL team. I, I would, yeah, I would say because you always got to count an end up on network brings three, you know, like you have ESPN. I would say on a daily basis, non Super Bowl, just take a, you know, November day and a November Wednesday say, what, four or five newspapers, which obviously is way down from what used to be. When I, you know, in the 80s, when I would pop in as a young writer, uh, it would probably be, you know, 10 papers, uh, 11, 12. But now it's four or five. But then you have the digital sites. You know, you have NBC Sports Bay Area. You have a few others. So probably 10 to 12 on a daily basis because then you have your local TVs will pop in and, you know, local TVs are going to pop in on 49ers. So probably three camera crews, but then you have NFL Network and you have all the other, you know, you always have that stuff around. They're always around. Uh, and, you know, the players like talking to the team <laughs> video camera, frankly, and they're going to get some time. Uh, I do appreciate they don't get too much extra time. They're kind of in there with us. But, um, I, you know, it, it, on a on a meaty day in the regular season, you're probably a 15 to 20. Every day in that locker room doesn't mean they're all getting, you know, all asking questions doesn't mean they're all have relationships with the players, but 15 to 20 with with 10 people who are regulars, uh, 10 to 12 who are regulars, but then obviously it all multiplies during the playoffs hasn't gone too crazy yet. It will obviously starting you know, today tonight at the Super Bowl, but you know, the one good thing about covering a big team in the West Coast is the East Coast guys tend to stay on the East. If there's an East coast team to cover, right. Or Kansas city, they tend not to come out. And I experienced this with the warriors, even the warriors, which had a ton of coverage, no question, especially when a guy named Kevin Durant was on the team. But even then, if there was a big Eastern thing to cover, they would tend to stay East and then get to the warriors on the final round. Um, It's similar with the 49ers and maybe that's a media industry thing too. Uh, There just isn't the money to spend to send all these East coast guys to the West, but it wasn't that huge at the NFC Championship game. Even you know, there, it was heavy. We know it's heavy, but it wasn't gargantuan like it's going to be. And I'm sure it, w- it was in the AFC games where you just have more riders, more platforms, more things that are going to just naturally end up there, um, and they're all going to obviously going to be the Super Bowl. Which is one reason why I'm not at the Super Bowl week right now. I I made the conscious decision not to go. I've done. You know, 12 Super Bowls, however many, I can't even count. Uh, I've done enough of them and you don't get new stuff from them traditionally. And relationships are don't matter that much because CBS is going to get CBS camped out at Levi Stadium the last two days of, of our access. And we had a walk around like we had to go a different way in the stadium because they just it's like a theme park at Levi Stadium. That they put up these curtains. They had all these computer banks, and you had to be quiet around them. They had to go through a bathroom to get to our – listen, it's, it's CBS. They're paying for it. At some point, you understand it, but it was wild. I mean, it was dark and hushed and curtains, and you know, normally we, we walk 40 yards, whatever, 80 yards to get to go from where they have the press conferences to our media room, and we could not do that because CBS had just parked there, and it just – tell it's a, it's a symbol. They own this event they get the they get the you know the, the the extra time they get the players to sit down we get whatever is left over that's what the super bowl in large part tends to be
1: will you um will you be going to the super bowl later this week to come yeah Steve? i'm going to go friday
0: oh wow uh, so i'm okay.
1: skipping yeah but uh,
0: there was a there's a whole lot to do with it, which, you know we have all these national writers at the athletic and they're you know they want their time and they're going to write the stuff that i've written or they're going to write something that I would want to write and what's you know let's give let's give them all the opportunity let me not you know get in their way maybe i'll get in their way during the game i thought about that but i kind of have a way of getting my own uh, angles um but also the nba trendlines deadlines on thursday it's never really happened like this <laughs> the warriors might do something large i do both teams so uh let's stick around i would not want to have been in las vegas fighting through all the circus there uh, for to write the same stories or versions of the same stories i've already written while the warriors do something huge i'm not sure they're going to at this point i kind of thought they were when i made this plan um that's okay and i don't mind we have great national writers let them do it uh and then I'll, I'll drop in for the for the last few days and do the game
1: what um let me go back to the niners for a second what kind of access do the reporters have to brock purdy on a daily basis
0: there's a relationship one there um it's one, you know, he does once a week pressers as starting quarterbacks do. There's nothing official other than that. Obviously in after games. But he's around. Like he's not a, you know, he walks around there on the days he's not, you know, he's not talking to the podium. And you can chat with him. And and I chat with him all the time. Uh, and you know, again, if you have an established relationship, you can say, Hey, can you talk to me about, you know, something else when you when you got time? Now he's going to meetings and all that stuff. But he's, like, happy. He's, like, okay, if you can do it here, let's talk for an extra five, seven minutes. I've had a couple of those because I've spent, you know, I spent time chatting with him last season just to know, uh, you know, I get it. I understand there are details in your career that are very interesting that, like, maybe if you pay a special attention to his relationship with Therese Ter- Halliburton is the one i would kind of been talking to uh, since last year. Halliburton wore his jersey to a game last season when Purdy was a fill-in and kind of a new story. That's right. Iowa State. Interesting. And then realize they're freshmen together uh, and really are friends, not just like associates. And i had been chatting with about that with Purdy, you know, off and on. That's one of the, the benefits I have of covering multiple sports is other athletes love to talk about the other sports like they love it. It's just how they talk. It's just kind of small talk to them. So I started talking about, to him about Halliburton season. Things are going great. He's asking me, is he going to win the MVP? It's like, oh, it's interesting that you're asking me about, you know, are you going to win the MVP? And so I got Halliburton. I talked to Purdy. It, it's not like he's available all the time, but that's one where a relationship really, really matters. And he does chat. I don't know if that will change. I don't think it's going to change if you're just around. Uh, you can't just say, give me 30 minutes for Brock Purdy. But he's pretty accessible like you know for as big as he is a big a storyline as he is at least uh and as much as as i talk about the, the pretty discourse where he's either the greatest quarterback of all time or horrible there seems to be no in between you know from the outside you know kind of leering uh, conversation this guy's very accessible he's very like you know again he's not the most colorful talker but if you ask something very specific that he's kind of interested in, you can talk to him. I mean, people are talking to him for five minutes, eight minutes here or there, uh, in a, you know, in a way that, you know, probably you couldn't do with some other, you know, yeah. really no, established
1: a quarterback. for, for a starting quarterback on a Super Bowl team. That's, I, I feel like that's pretty good. Um, I want to ask you one about Kyle Shanahan. Um, he, you know, he just, uh, as we're taping this, um, I haven't read it yet, but it seems like Peter King, I think, took a ride with him and led uh, his column um, with that. And what strikes me is, it seems like Kyle Shanahan, and maybe it's because he grew up in a football family, but he seems pretty good about talking to, certainly talking to national media. Uh, what is he like with uh, the people who are like yourself who are there on a, like kind of the day to day basis?
0: He's pretty good. I mean, he's, actually, he's very good when you get to him, and you know, it, it's. Sometimes it's tougher to get to him. Uh, I have a very good relationship with him. I, I do get to him probably more than most. Uh, one thing I do appreciate is he doesn't do a lot of national stuff. He really doesn't. I mean, Peter, uh, for a Super Bowl, such respect, you're going to do that. Uh, it's very rare. Again, this I haven't read the Peter's piece yet. I, I am definitely going to. Um, he doesn't pick up the phone for the, you know, I'm not going to name insiders because they're all good. But he doesn't. Like some coaches do. We know. Off the record. We know they do this. Kyle doesn't really do it. No, you know, they take pride that they don't leak. They leak something. Like, you know, everybody leaks CAA. We know how all that stuff works. Everybody does some of it. The 49ers included. Injury, updates, whatever. You get it through the CAA pipeline. That's okay. Uh, that's just understood. But um, well, Shanahan is good. Like, if you get him for six minutes, he's incredible for six minutes. Um, if you, you know, he just doesn't always make himself available because he's studying the film. He's doing other, he's talking to the players. Uh, his energy is is directed that way, and then when it's not 49ers, he is with his family, and I appreciate and understand. all as, as someone who does an annual podcast with him, that's the only podcast he does, which <laughs> I definitely do appreciate, but it's a hard schedule, Richard. It is a hard schedule. Um, Just It's not because he wants to be difficult. It's just because he's doing so many other things and it's hard for him to block out 45 minutes. This is where I'm going to sit down with Tim. We do it every year. Um, And I, you know, I I don't want it to be easy. If it was easy, then everybody would probably do it again. It's very, very hard. I have to block out like when I'm going to go on vacation (laughs) to to, to schedule it, but it's worth it. Good good thing. It's worth it. Um, But he doesn't do like the chatty, you know, he'll, I'm sure he'll sit down for CPS, but he hasn't sat down like for Fox in years. Uh, he hasn't sat down, you know, we can name the things where people normally sit, sit sit, down or do the long talks or do the behind the scenes stuff. He doesn't do that. Uh, and I like that. And it reminds me of Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh was like that. Now, Harbaugh more like hated the national guys and they hated him. Uh, and you've seen some of that play out in the college coverage, right? The college national guys hate them. They can't stand them. Okay, I get along with them. It's a different relationship. But, and, and Kyle's not like that. He just is kind of has his thing. I'm going to do my thing. And if there's enough room in my thing, I'll sit down with, certainly with Peter King. I'll certainly, well, maybe I'll call, you know, I'll call Adam Schefter back or somebody like that, Seth Wickersham. But it's not going to be a regular thing. And it's got to be on my terms. And, you know, I don't know what the thought process is. I got to take care of the local guys first, but it does seem to fit that way. And believe me, the local people appreciate that. The ones who are thoughtful, the ones who who are there and asking them, you know, decent questions and maybe get some follow-ups afterwards or get another three minutes over here. Um, the fact that he's not all over, you know, with Fox. Fox is the one that Mike Nolan, old coach er coach. If Fox wanted him, Fox got him and we didn't get him. And I did not appreciate that, and I and I don't I don't think any local media would appreciate that. And It does happen a lot, and it doesn't doesn't tend to happen with Shanahan.
1: Couple more here. Um, this is pretty interesting to me, and then I want to finish up with your podcast so that people know, uh, especially if they're San Francisco, uh, Oakland-based fans, uh, where they can listen to you. You worked in Philadelphia, although now you've been in the Bay Area for a long time. Um, I haven't been to the Bay Area that much. I've been to San Francisco twice. It really is a beautiful city. But my sense is that um, like as a sports city, it's San Francisco and Oakland must be very, very different than Philly and New York and Boston. And as someone who covers sports there, um, how would you say it is different or unique in itself as a sports city or city or city? I should say or cities, if I'm going to include Oakland,
0: Oakland, San Jose, you could put in there. San Jose, too. Right. Yep. But I, and I was in L.A. for 10 years so That's right. when I covered the Lakers. So I, I kind of plot the Bay Area in the middle of that, maybe more towards the L.A. spectrum than the East Coast spectrum for sure. I mean, I started in Philly, and that was crazy. I mean, Eagles, Buddy Ryan, Randall Cunningham. It was a great way to start where, like, I was 22 years old, and I'd order a pizza, and people ask my name, and they'd know who I was. At 22 years old, ordering a pizza in Philadelphia. Uh, that was different. Like there will never be something like that where I'm like people recognize me on the street at 23 years old because I cover the Eagles because I'm right for the daily news uh, because I'm on the radio. I'm on the TV. Uh, L.A., you know, and I went right to the Rams and it was way more diffuse, way more like blase. Lakers is intense, but it's Lakers is intense in a very L.A. way. I'll say the 49ers is the most like the East Coast that the Bay Area has. It is rabid. It is nuclear at times Uh, it's fire everybody get rid of me it is remarkably uh you know impulsive and angry and overjoyed and like that is a rabid fan base it's a huge fan base so when you have it that large you're going to have more crazies and they are crazy i mean this is like you could just do 49ers talk show, boom, you know, and people would call and want to fire Kyle Shanahan, fire Brock Purdy. Like, this is the 49er fan base that is uh, that makes it so rich to write about and be involved with, but also can make it uh, very tricky sometimes emotionally. Um, the other, the Warriors can get that. Warriors is more like the newbie fan base is crazy, but the old diehards are not as insane about things. People get a little insane about you know, Kerr and, and, and there's such a national, there's such a
1: national team to me though. Like they, they attract, I know you were were talking about like maybe people from the East coast don't make it over, but even like living in New York, like the Warriors always felt like a national team to me. They felt like -like, the Yankees. They're they're
0: Laker like at this point, you know, that was the, the goal was to make, you know, just a brand, you know, it's certainly not as deep and as rich as the Lakers, but they, they definitely look to the Lakers as a model stars, you know glamour or that sort of thing they're not there yet but the lakers uh, the warriors because they've won so much because of steph curry are a little different but the bay area tends to get hot 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 and then drop and the, the team just drops right and then they maybe they get hot 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 again The giants are experienced in this I mean, they, they, they won three world series not that long ago 14 was the last one. Was 10 years ago uh you would think there would be a generation of fans who just watched this team win and yet it's fallen off because they're not interesting. They don't have a star. They're just in this quest for a star. You you need to get that going or else things really drop off. Uh, so I just think what you have what you have in the Bay Area is this large, large demographic of sports fans, but they tend to kind of shift around except for with the 49ers. That one, they do not. Sh- it's really become telescoped in on the 49ers. Warriors, obviously, but um, – if it's an off-season day and the choice is between the 49ers and the Giants, the, I'm going to mostly do 49ers. I I am fortunate that the two sports that I covered, you know, when I was young and really know well, are the NFL and the NBA, and those are the two hot stories. Certainly in the Bay Area with the Warriors, uh, maybe it's different in other markets, but the Warriors are, you know, incessantly, constantly, uh, you know, enjoyably interesting and the 49ers. And those are the two teams and two sports where I know agents and assistant coaches and gentlemen I mean, those are just the two sports. So I can always focus on those two. I have some insight or at least can pick up the phone and have some insight on those two. Uh, And it just tends to be the most audience friendly. It tends to be the one people, you know, I'm not purposely only writing about things that I know people will read about, but certainly that's part of it. That's part of the business. Uh, And um, the Bay area reacts to that stuff to, to, the hot team in the moment with decisions to be made. And the 49ers, I will say, I mean, I, I was saying this even when the Warriors were huge, which was not that long ago. 49ers probably were still most more consistently the bigger draw. They just, there's something about them. And now with the Warriors kind of dimming, uh, it still spikes at times with Steph Curry's 60-point game, et cetera. But the 49ers are the consistent draw. They're they're the number one team in the Bay Area
1: all right that's interesting uh last one from me by the way just so the audience knows here at the athletic uh tim and i actually share the same editor which is very interesting because we do different things but uh a shout out to uh zach pierce who's a poor uh, zach poor zach poor yeah, zach close. but a great guy to work with but yes. uh he has he has a lot on his plate um lastly um tim i want to get to your podcast um uh, and you 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 are part of i think are you on three of them now or or two. Uh, we have a feed TK show feed where I have right.
0: a TK show where I do interviews, Uh and we have the 49ers plus minus, which I launched recently with Matt Barrows, beat writer. We talked about 49ers just because the 49ers interest is just so much, and because I listen to so much 49ers content. I thought, well, why don't I just do some of it? Like, trying to trying to do similar to the Warriors plus minus show, which is still at the Athletic. Marcus Thompson, actually, so kind of behind the scenes. What does it really mean? What are people really thinking and saying? So, we're trying to bring that to the 49ers show for nice plus minus. And then I have North and South, which is also on the feed. It's just talking California sports with the LA Times Dylan Hernandez, which I really saw as like, there just isn't anything that does this. And the Ringer does their cities. The Ringer doesn't, you know, funny, they're based in LA and they don't have a California show, they, you know, other than Bill, but Bill's talking mostly about the Celtics and, and Patriots anyway. So, I just thought, like, listen, let's try it. Let's have a conversational piece between two columnists who go to stuff. Very important to me. We go to stuff. Uh, we, it's become a Shohei Otani, Jim Harbaugh show, which is fine. I think that, that might do okay. Uh, and uh, we launched that. So it's three shows. I kind of populate it. Two or three of them will be every week, sometimes more. I drop in some of my interviews, like these five-minute interviews, which are very valuable. So there was one with Jed York last week and then the one with Nick Bosa I released that were both during the week last week. And then I released the Nick Bosa one today, just little snippets of kind of like, you know, real life things. People don't have to think, think it's the greatest thing in the world, but it's a little different. It's not the group interview. It's the separate, you know, unique conversation And I could probably have even put up the group interview, but I decided not to, um, and just throw it out in the feed. See how it does, uh, and hope people enjoy listening to it. So this seem to have, you know certainly not disappeared it's out there people are listening to it that's that's what we're doing these podcasts
1: yeah you, i mean you're i've always thought you're an excellent podcast host so i'm glad to see that uh, that's expanding so the one thing i i you know you are someone obviously who can um who can talk um on a national level but you have these podcasts that are either city or in this case like the california one state specific so my final question for you is i wonder in your now years of doing podcasts, if you think that where success is heading forward is something that's tight and niche, or do you think there still could be room for a broad-based podcast to talk about um, you know, national sports broadly? And here's my caveat, with the exception of obviously if you're like tra- Travis and Jason Kelsey, who are famous. I, my thought is that I think at this point – the podcast medium has probably matured to the point where I think you could still get in, but I do think probably your best bet to maybe hit would be something more niche than broad. That's just my take. How do you say I'd that? I agree. I mean, listen,
0: you, you have great national shows and I do listen Rosillo and whatever. I mean, there's really interesting, but you better be good.
1: Like <laughs> you, you, you better be, or you consistent. better have a name or you better have some uh, yeah, built yeah.
0: in audience. A- absolutely. And you better have entree to, to good guests, whatever. But I do think, where I've just naturally gone to because like so much of this is based on my own habits. Like what I, what I'm looking for, what I want to listen to um, and where I th- feel there might be a need. Yeah. It's locally, local, knowing, understanding insidery stuff that you can't get elsewhere. Or if you do, you want more of it. Uh, and you know conversational this is what I, people who ask me about podcasts it's got to be it can't be that 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 stop that 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 stop but it's got to have people who have a relationship like you and I uh where there's a back and forth there's an understanding uh and i just i i, I use warriors plus minus which is again a uh, podcast i started with marcus right as the warriors were really starting to blow up and We turn to each other. We got to do something here because we understood what was going on. Steph Curry is a phenomenon that cannot be, you know, duplicated. will never be duplicated in the history of this franchise. Maybe not in the NBA. We better do something. So we started it. Anthony Slater joined it uh, when we got to the athletic. Uh, Ethan Strauss has been on it. He's now off on his own thing, obviously. But um, it's insight. Like we're in the locker room we're seeing the looks people give each other. We hear the whispers. We can't report everything, but we can intimate, we can suggest. Marcus is obviously super close to Steph Curry, which is kind of valuable, has been valuable for quite some time, has been valuable to the athletic. Um, and you know, I have you know, my own relationships. I talk to people in the corridors. Um, and I just think that, and it's a, you know, very valuable podcast. It's so valuable that the athletic wouldn't let me take it. Uh, that's how valuable it was. And it's it's uh, and believe me, people are interested in it. Um, and I just think if you can take that sort of thing, it doesn't have to be exactly like that. But we're there. When, you know, the great thing that we have that has value is we are in the locker room. We are asking questions. That, as you say, that that number is dwindling. Right, that is not a big number. Uh, it probably wasn't a huge number even at the heyday. It is a very small number now. Every day understand when Kyle Shanahan says this and it's slightly different than he said it five days ago, there's a meaning to that. He's not going to say what the meaning is, but we can talk about the meaning. Uh And beyond that, there's, you know, the, the relationship I have with Harbaugh, the, you know, it, there's something there. There's value in the ability to talk about that kind of between the edges, kind of not what I can put down on my column. I, I had a, I wrote a blog back in the old wild West days for the Mercury news that was just kind of me, you know, my thoughts, my interviews, just kind of raw. Like before I put it together for a column, I kind of worked my way to a column and it became the most popular thing I've ever done at the Mercury News. It became actually bigger than the columns that I was working to because it was so free Now the athletic would never want that. The athletic is, you know, very, very straight laced. And I didn't, you know, there's issues with that I've had with them, but that's fine. It's the way they do it. Um, and I have not been able to do anything close to the blog,
1: and I do miss it. I've said that. Well, your career it. is not over, Tim. I mean, maybe, maybe you're whatever <laughs> your next evolution is, uh, you'll have I'm, something that's I, I can't more personal. That. I, I can't say that,
0: but you can say that. Um, and and I just think that stuff. There's always a lane for that stuff.
1: I agree. People can people want to people want to connect. There's a the, the reason why. Blogs exploded when they did, and now obviously a lot of those people who were forerunners of the blogs have sort of graduated to either uh, legacy publications or their own sort of businesses. Is because like it's a you, uh, you can it's a one on one connection with each reader, and then like you feel like I know what you're talking about, and I remember the pieces that you did on that, and I felt like I was getting to know you um, as opposed to you as the um, independent observer, right? Sort of giving a thought on something else.
0: They're fitting into a certain prescribed slot. Again, that's fine. I do kind of think of it as all media. and
1: It, it is. Well, that's why, the, that's why you having your own forum podcast I think is great because that gives you a lot of whether the athletic owns whatever it owns or not. And this, this podcast intentionally is independent from the athletic, but I think that gives you such a creative forum to sort of do and talk and go into places you want to go to. I agree,
0: and I think that's why we're both doing this, Richard. I, I definitely I, agree. It's
1: not—it's uh, uh, not for the money, Tim. I agree with you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I just say, I, I, just as we watch this media implosion, I am just always stunned, and I have had these conversations. Like these new media companies all take on all these old media habits, and I
1: don't understand why. why and I've had these. Well, conversations you saw with, the. Uh, yeah, I mean, this. I'll, I'll probably get into. In a future podcast, but you saw the messenger uh, using sort of a, a an outdated model, um, and it's just heartbreaking for all the people. Who obviously, got hired there and now are uh, looking for work in a in an industry where it is incredibly hard to find work these days. So, um, yeah, I agree with you on that. All right, Tim Kawakami uh, covers the what well, covers all the Bay Area for the Athletic. He's a, a columnist there, and then check out, especially if you're into any of the California teams um the tk show uh podcast as well as its feed he broke down who he does the podcast with um and also shout out to our uh, fellow colleague marcus thompson who honestly may be the most gifted writer at a site that has some incredibly gifted writers that guy is just he is a world world world-class talent uh tim whenever you do get to vegas travel safe i admire you for not going for the first five days of uh that circus it'll you know it'll be very calm and relaxing before you enter the uh the vegas
0: storm but i'll just drop in the middle of it right it's going to be the hurricane of
1: like uh like like the flying elvises and leaving las vegas basically you'll, you'll do, <laughs> oh like, well we'll nicholas, see how it works we'll you'll nicholas see how Cage. It works. i'm looking forward to we'll be reading you tim kowkami everybody check him out on all his various places as well as on uh, twitter slash x tim thank you great catching up with you anytime i should appreciate it all right, back in the studio. My thanks to Tim Kawakami, uh, who's always been a great colleague of mine at The Athletic. Uh, you know, We text often, and uh, just a really incredibly talented dude, and uh, I'm happy to see his success. Um, this one is paired up with um, a podcast that came out uh, this Monday, and that's with Nate Taylor, another great colleague at The Athletic, and he covers the Kansas City Chiefs. And so I wanted to do the two teams that are in the Super Bowl and sort of give you guys a sense of like what it's like to... Um, To cover those guys Um, Previous podcasts Include we had John Lewis on this week Talk about the Taylor Swift impact on the Super Bowl Ray Ferraro, Sean McDonough uh, ESPN NHL broadcasters Paul Feinbaum was on this podcast Not too long ago talking about Nick Saban's retirement Um, Head to the archives There should be stuff you like Again if you like this uh, stuff Please leave us a 5 star review and a nice note that is how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work. Thanks to everybody at Odyssey for their support. And thank you for listening. We'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.